I'm putting my seatbelt on, I'm strapping in the plane. I'm getting into the cockpit and I'm strapping the plane on me. It was awesome. It yeah. was so awesome. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is Phil. This is flow state. Like I'm strapping this stuff on me and I'm in flow and I'm just cruising and, you know, translating that into your personal life and just strapping the things onto you and you becoming one with the task at hand is the epitome of flow state. That was the coolest story and way to relate or kind of compare what flow feels like or looks like. Welcome to the Success Flow Podcast, where our mission is simple, to be better each day and relay our findings with other relentless humans defining success for themselves. If that sounds like you, let's begin. All right, back at it on the Success Flow Podcast, and today we're going to do a little preview for a guest that's in the hopper, and that's one of the beauties of this podcast is to be able to take what we're learning real time and in our pursuits and just put our lens through it and let that flow through to the listeners. So uh, we had a pretty awesome morning yesterday, and uh, it was our uh, our group uh, men's group Junto that that got together and we kicked off the year with a really powerful speaker. Uh, we've had some great speakers in that room, but I think we really set a new tone yesterday. And and we're going to give you just kind of a rundown on that speaker and the session that we had yesterday, being with Dan Clark, who is a a Hall of Fame uh, motivational speaker, and it's beyond motivational speaking, right? Like he. He is really integrated into the holistic areas of life of business, performance, teamwork, leadership, all of the above. And he kind of rocked the group's world yesterday, Stephen. I know we also had a chance to get together with him outside of Junto in a more social environment. So wanted to just kind of open it up and, and get your thoughts on 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 how we, we kind of started uh, hanging out with Dan and then uh, uh, what your thoughts on yesterday were. Yeah, yesterday was incredible. Um, that was my, I mean, I've seen speakers on stage and, you know, I've, I've been to conferences and seen some keynotes that were pretty powerful, but to have Dan in the room of just us 20 in like a horseshoe type setting and him to pop in there and um, you're right, it's more than just motivational. He's The guy's got a wealth of stories uh, and a wealth of knowledge that he could go on for 24 hours or more just talking about all of his experiences and things he's gone through. Some of them uh, very challenging times, and a lot of them uh, he's gone through some really cool experiences that he shared. Um, but I, I think that one of the coolest things was the way he kicked it off. There's 20 of us in the room. He's only known uh, – he met me once at the Fiesta Bowl um, when Jim uh, Stevens invited me. He got, get, had a couple extra tickets like, hey, you want to come? Brought my boy Jack and uh, met you there. And us three got together, and, we, and Dan was there as well. And you guys got to hang out with him a little bit more at the game. But that was my – only, uh, you know, time with him. You guys have spent a little bit of time with him outside of that as well. But what I thought was amazing was we kind of kept him a secret with the group and he didn't know any of the other guys in the group. And he kicks it off with going around the room. And yeah, we had like our, you know, name placards and, you know, he could see who we were, but he didn't know what we did until what, five, 10 minutes before the meeting. And he goes around the room and he just said, he looks at each person in the eyes and he tells them, he's like, I know you do this. Like, I, you know, Phil, with with uh, your holistic approach and the meditation and the flow states and the mental health for entrepreneurs who, you know, you're trying to end unnecessary suffering. And then, you know, he goes around the room and he comes to me and he's like, Stephen, hang out at 
Fiesta Bowl with your son, Jack, and you're the payroll guy of the group. And then he moves on to the insurance corner and like, you know, just was able to rattle off every single guy's profession and had a story or a comment about him without looking at any notes. Like he just retained names and a few nuggets that you guys gave him the 10 minutes before the meeting and just went around the room. There's no reason. There's no other reason I can think of other than that, just the comprehension piece of why he's in the Hall of Fame of the Speaker uh, National Speakers Association. And I think he was the youngest of all time. I thought that was so impressive as well, too. And his vulnerability, the way he kicked it off. I mean, this is a guy that's used to standing in front of hundreds or thousands of people spoken for many of the Fortune 500. And to be put in that room in that different setting, that's not you know, his, his usual go-to it's usually more formal. And even though he over prepares, I saw like the way he was going about mind mapping the room and putting in his recall going left or right before there are any faces to even put to each name. And that was one of the most impressive things that I've seen. I've seen live as well. And the way that he tailored, you know, we, we, he gave an intro video, which again, for that setting, it's a different setting. So it was like, I wonder where he's going to go with this. And then he transitioned and totally kind of went with the uh, self-deprecation and and was like, from what I've learned about this group, this is these are the types of rooms I want to be in. And this is the, the type of things that I want to be talking about. So thank you for having me. And it was just really, really well done the way he adapted to the room. A little background on Dan. He started... His his whole life was based around athletics. And when he was playing college football at the University of Utah, not only was he a college football uh, player, he was a Golden Gloves boxer. He was an, uh, a champion alpine back skier, kind of got the most interesting man in the world uh, resume going on there. But he suffered an injury within a uh, while at the University of Utah that left him temporarily paralyzed. His whole left side was numb. He he was concussed, um, really did not know how he was going to recover. They say he might have brain damage and he jokes about it now, but he didn't know either. The one of the most scariest, lowest points of his life when his whole life was dedicated to being, he thought he was going to be drafted by the Oakland Raiders. That set him to what I love the concept of is people talk about hitting their rock bottom, but he says, reframe that to rock, rock foundation. And that's something that ever since I read his book has really landed with me and reframing that as no, this is just a new beginning. This is not a bottom. Yeah, that was, uh, he was projected to be a number one pick uh, in the NFL. And he, I remember, you know, he was telling that story and he was just like, I was absolutely crushed. Like just, I thought life was over and, you know, all these, you know, his perspectives on it. And I mean, imagine being like all you knew, you're just an elite athlete playing college sports and you get that taken away from you from one hit. and he made a really powerful statement of like life can change in a single moment, like a single moment can change your life in, in a very negative or a very positive way. And it's all about your perspective. Um, and he, it kind of what hit me too, was the story. He, he used Jim's family as a reference, but talking about how people are, you know, who go through anxiety and depression and things and like, Oh my gosh, and like this is going wrong. And, and woe is me. And I'm negative and all these things. And, uh, you know, I'm hitting rock bottom and this is the worst thing in the world. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call and he used Jim's daughter as an example saying, you get that phone call, Jim, and you're, you know, whining and crying and you're at home and you're just like, the world is against me and I'm not, I'm negative with everything. And then you get that phone call saying, Jim, your daughter was just hit by a car. She's in a car accident. You need to come right now, right away. And all of a sudden 
he paints this picture and tells the story of Jim being, oh my gosh, adrenaline pumping through his veins. I got to drop everything. I got to race over the car. And now all of his worries that he had before do not matter at all. And so that kind of, you know, being a father myself and like just putting myself in those shoes and being like, oh my gosh, it's so true. You get the chills when you hear a story like that. Now, none of that is true, but it's all possible life situations. And the whole point of him telling that story was like, when you have a perspective of thinking more positively and things aren't really that bad, right? You're not going to hit the rock bottom. Like you said, it's a rock foundation and everything's temporary. It's just continue to push forward. Um, like let it go. It, it just continue focusing on your, on what you're trying to do and, and continue to be strong. And I think one of the other things that he said was really cool was how, when you have a negative thing in your life, if you're looking at it as a negative thing all the time and there's no way around it or how to get past that, switch your perspective and your mindset thinking that's more like an injury. That negative thing is an injury. And how do you overcome an injury? Well, you do rehab. And so figure out what your rehab program is and focus on that. And then you'll come back stronger than you ever were before, before that injury. And so I thought that was neat too. It's just your perspective, like all the crappy things that go on in your life. Think of it as an injury and what's my rehab program and how do I get that? And a lot of that is vulnerability and sharing your story and talking to people about the things that you're going through and leveraging those resources and those people around you. Um, I thought that was really powerful. Some of those things, those real life stories that he was talking about. And yeah, he was, man, I couldn't imagine. I mean, paralyzed and thought, you know, thought his life was over and uh, he was able to overcome. And now he's doing amazing, amazing things. And some of the stuff he did was, you know, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. And that, that story that you just mentioned while I, while we were listening to him yesterday, took me back to, because reading his book, um, the, the art of significance, I obviously picked it up after the first time I had breakfast with him. Cause I was like, this, this guy is putting out everything that, that we are trying to absorb and communicate now. And it's, it's so great. This book, the art of significance, so perfect for this podcast is he says, let's stop focusing on success. Even though that's the, the title of our, in the title of our podcast here, but <laughs> right. instead of living a life of success, let's live a life of significance. And when you reframe that, it's like, what are my actions actually tied to? Am I making an impact in other people's lives in how the world is operating today? Am I making my dent in the universe as opposed to what is success? That's what we talk about all the time. Or we, we're defining it for ourselves. There's no set definition. So let's, let's be significant and not for the trappings of material success, but for what else is there for these gifts and abilities that we've been given. And that story that you mentioned, he talks about uh, perseverance instead of patience, which I love because we're not, when you're running and gunning, like a lot of us are as the listeners as well, like patience isn't really um, one of our best virtues often. But if you reframe it like he does with all those others to perseverance is no, it's okay. I am still, I've still lined out these activities and things that I need to execute on and I'm going to persevere and knock these out instead of just being patient and waiting around. So love that and and love how his ability to reframe these things to to get your mind thinking, oh, this isn't actually as negative or as daunting as I'm using my words to make it be. Yeah. He 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 talks about core values a lot too and and he talks about how when you have them defined 
99%, like when you have them clearly stated and defined and you figure that out, you already know 99% of what, what to do. You know what to do. So whenever opportunities or things come your way or challenges or obstacles, when you go to like do what you say you're going to do, and that's a core value, and you said you're going to do it out loud, then do it, right? You just know what you're going to do. And, um, you know, he talks about your comfort zone and he talks about your job and then your calling and kind of stacking that up. And your comfort zone is at the bottom. Your job is what you do, right? What you're comfortable with down here and like it's life's easy. Then your job, like working hard and your work ethic and whatever it is that you do. And then your calling is like, what is my overall vision? What's my calling? What's my being? What are my dreams? And he says, figure out a way to pull your comfort zone up to your calling. Don't let your calling drop down to your comfort zone. And so it's how he paints these pictures of identifying yourself and what you want to do and identifying as human doings, or, or no, he says, don't be a human doing, be a human being, right? And so I think that was really neat in how he talked about being a human being. Like, don't just be identifying yourself as what you do in your job. Like, you're not just an enterprise salesperson. That's not who you are. I'm not just a payroll guy. It's not who I am. It's what we do, but it's not who we are. And so developing what that success looks like for you, defining your core values, figuring out what you're your purposes or your massive transforming purpose, whatever, that's where that fulfillment comes from. And that's the journey that he talks about. And like the success, that's the significance, right? We're living a significant life because we're human beings, not human doings. And I thought that was pretty powerful. Just a little play on words there. Absolutely. It's, it's another reframing and what you just, there were so many ties there to the flow research collective practices, right? Because with, to get into flow states, that focused work where, where, we are completely absorbed in the moment and can make huge strides is when you are getting just out of your comfort zone. It's like 4%. And so he talks about instead of change, which he did say you can change in any given moment, proactively stretch, which is right there with the flow research collective. So this is like, what is just that little bit more, that little tweak that's going to stretch me out of my comfort zone and reframe the way I'm doing things as opposed to, no, I'm going to change today. That doesn't help really anyone. Proactively stretch instead of change was an awesome uh, reframe that really stuck with me as well. And and what, what you just mentioned, pulling that your comfort zone out and setting that new baseline is exactly what we're trying to do. And it makes change a lot more um, feasible. Yeah, he, he, uh, quoting Einstein, says what the mind once stretched can never return to its original form. And, I mean, that's the growth mindset in a nutshell. And speaking of flow, uh, remember the story he was talking about with uh, flying the F-18s when he was describing that, like I couldn't help but think of you because he was like asking the, the F-18s going supersonic speed. Obviously he wasn't by himself. It was a military base. He's not allowed to fly as a civilian to like take off and land, but he was allowed to be up in the air and hold the joystick and kind of steer a little bit. They allowed him to do that. And so, but they were doing all sorts of stuff, like going upside down and twists and turns. And he was just like, it was like warp speed. So it was one of the most incredible things he's ever done. And when he got down, he asked the pilots, like, how do I, or how did you do all of that? Like, how do you just strap in? And, and he goes, it's all feel. And he's like, what, what do you mean? And the pilot goes, it's just, you, you get in there and you, it's just, it's all feel like there's no instructions. You just, your body, you just become one with the plane. He's like, what do you mean you just become one with the plane? He goes, all right, well, think about it this way. Instead of when I get in, I'm strapping, putting my seatbelt on, I'm strapping in the plane. I'm getting into the cockpit and I'm strapping the plane on me. 
It was awesome. It yeah. was so awesome. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is Phil. This is flow state. Like I'm strapping this stuff on me and I'm in flow and I'm just cruising and, you know, translating that into your personal life and just strapping the things onto you and you becoming one with the task at hand is the epitome of flow state. That was the coolest story and way to relate um, or kind of compare what flow feels like or looks like. I, I couldn't agree more. And I was staring. I, I was glancing over at Strand during that too. Cause I knew like, Oh yeah, had, he was eating it up. The shit eating grin on my face, but he was just like, so, so in the moment and that whole concept that I love that Einstein quote, because it's so true. You go in day to day lives. And once you have these kind of, you hit these certain levels of awareness, you can't unsee them, right? You start seeing how certain things interact. Like you see in the day to day payroll business, they become, they are just red flags or operational nuances that you know, and you can't really unlearn them. You might forget temporarily, but once you have those operating, ex, those expansions of consciousness to how things work, your mind's never going to regress. I mean, obviously we have cognitive decline and, and whatnot, but if you're in the moment with all of these instances, you become an expert and you have that awareness it doesn't just go away. And, and him reiterating that was, was huge. It was. And, you know, he says, nothing happens to us. Everything happens for us. And when you stretch your mind, you change your perspective of everything that comes at you, whether it's a challenge, an obstacle or an opportunity. And uh, it's something that happens for us, an opportunity to assess, iterate, act, whatever we need to do to make it uh, into a positive experience instead of the negative, the woe is me. And, you know, he says reasons lead to conclusions, but it's emotion that leads to action. And so when things happen and they make us feel a way, how do we hone in on that emotion to take the action and, and change the perception of what we need, of what we're working on? And the best way to do that in the way I, you know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. He's the master at storytelling and I, I've already connected with him. We're going to grab lunch and coffee. I want to pick his brain on how to, you know, how do you pull on the heartstrings in your stories, right? Like you can tell stories and give examples and all that, but he is the master at focusing on the what and the why or the what and the how is, is your head, right? Those are the things that are in your head. And then, and then the why is what, is what uh, pulls on the heart. And so when you can marry the two, how that's how you build culture and that's how you build the people around you um, in a positive light. And so as, as business owners and as leaders and in, in running your teams, the how and the what is your head is transactional and the why and the passion is your heart. It's transformational. And he goes, building culture is at the highest level. You are believing, expecting your behavior in your leadership. How are you being foreseen? But at the lowest level, what are you willing to tolerate of those beliefs, expectations and behavior? And as a team leader or as a business owner, it's, it couldn't be more true. Like you're striving to build the best culture you can for your business or the best culture you can for your family. You don't even have to be a bit, like just in the community or people that are around you. And you're, you have all these beliefs and you have these expectations for yourself and you have these behaviors that are positive and light. And, and then all of a sudden the people around you, what are you willing to tolerate if they're not on your level? And how do you kind of get them up to that level? And that's, it's, uh, it kind of goes to Tim Grover. I finished the relentless book, right? We had that challenge before the end of the year. And he talks about how Michael Jordan and Kobe and how he says, uh, those guys never play down to their competition's level. They never fit in. They're up here and it's up to you to get on their level. And so I think that when he, when Dan was talking about culture and uh, those types of things, like what are you willing to tolerate? Absolutely. And you could see it in the group yesterday. Like that, 
So I think it's so awesome when we all get together on those those Thursdays because not not everybody is putting in that time, right? To carve out once a month time to get into a room, stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. None of us like showing, you know, our weaknesses or what we're working on, even though it's becoming more of a, 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 you know, a vulnerable norm to do so. And you can just see the change in everyone as they, as they leave the room, when you're exposed to that, you're, I, I just had it on fire day yesterday and it's not, you know, you don't need this. This shouldn't be a requirement to keep you to, to, to keep your, call it motivation going, but it's just a constant reminder of what we're trying to do and what's the art of the possible and that stretching week in, month in, month out. Yeah. And he, he said too during the, during the meeting and just, that's what's powerful about our group and just a mastermind in general or an accountability group or something like find your crew, find a, a group of people that you can be vulnerable with that, you know, that won't judge you past judgment or, um, you know, be willing to, uh, you know, the definition of vulner- vulnerability is is the willingness to share um, with the risk of being hurt or show weakness. And it's not weak or it, it's, you know, if you're around the right people, you're not going to get hurt. It's actually a sign of leadership and strength. And Dan mentioned that, too. And he's, he looks everyone in the room. And he's like, don't raise your hand. But there's 22 of you guys in this room. And there's at least one that's hurting right now that no one knows about. And it's, it's true. It's probably one out of 20. It's probably more than that. Right. And, and having a group like that, where we can all come together and, you know, just reaching out to each other after those meetings and, Hey, what'd you think? How's it going? How are you doing? And whatever. I think that's, that's, what's powerful about that. And it goes such a long way, especially, um, you know, especially in entrepreneurship or leaders or, you know, in, in men in general or women that are just at a level that they don't have, so as many people as they can talk to. And when you find those groups, it's extremely powerful. And then you bring in guys like Dan to come in and talk to us about their life experiences and all they, you know, dude's been to space and like put that into perspective. <laughs> he's into space and he's talking about looking down on earth. And it was, what do you say? It was like pure silence for five hours, just nothing but thoughts. Mm-hmm. And just thinking of like, I'm just this speck in this massive unknown solar system. And, you know, it just puts your life into perspective. Of like what, like I can, I'm going to do some great things with this. Like, why am I even here? What is my like, significant you, place in this universe? I exactly. love that. Yeah. It's, a, it's super powerful stuff for sure. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about just when you, when you look at, so, so Dan is, I want to, is he, I think 64. Sorry, Dan, if we're, if we're, if we're off there a little bit, but he's so in tune and, you you can tell he's just done his done his work to stay in what is relevant and how the world is working from a business perspective from a, a social perspective i think he's going to speak today at somewhere that post malone is like entertaining for after the, after they speak tonight and for me that set a whole new level of for the long play how do I stay sharp and not so in my own construct of all the things that we're working to get an understanding? Like we said, that you, you start understanding things, but that continual learning to be relevant, to jump into any room and to bring that value. What what things are lifelong and just kind of fundamental principles that you know are evergreen, but then what are the new things that are happening in the world that I need to reevaluate my perspective on? I thought, I think that's so impressive for a guy 
with his wisdom to be so relevant in in today's age. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely flexible, adaptable. He can pivot, and I mean, he gave what three hundred and fifty uh, pro bono speeches to the to the military, and just you know, I mean, that's yeah. thousands and thousands of people. And he's also given speeches to those incarcerated. He's given speeches like all walks of life, and everything he talks about can be translated into whatever it is going on in in your world. And I know that this is the uh, um, we're, we're tooting his horn here quite a bit because he's that that impactful and we're, we're lucky enough to be able to be in his presence and, and have the opportunity to meet with him and talk with him on a more frequent basis. But, you know, I'll, I'll kind of end here unless you have anything else with the, uh, with the kite story that he told at the end, kind of how he wrapped up his talk. And he mm. talks about how there's the little boy and his dad, they're out there in the park or wherever they were. And, and the little boy's holding up the kite and the kite is, you know, flying in the wind and, you know, and the little boy's having a blast and, and uh, the dad asks, goes, hey, you know, son, what's what's uh, what do you think's holding up that that kite? It's it's uh, it's the wind. And the and the little boy's son goes, no, dad, it's the string. And he goes, huh, you think it's the string? And he goes and he goes, yeah, it's the string that's holding up the holding up the kite up there. And his dad goes, all right, let go of the string. And so the little boy lets go of the string and all of a sudden, boom. The kite goes, the wind takes it wherever the wind decides to go to take that kite, right? And so the little boy's running around the park. He's running all over crazy and he finds, um, he finally catches up to the string and he grabs it. And then the kite kind of float, you know, goes back up into the sky and the wind kind of takes it. And, and so, you know, it basically the point of the story is that the, it's the little boy that's holding that kite up in the air with the string, but the wind is the one that's, you know, keeping it up there. And so he, he, way he compares it is the kite is your dreams your goals, your outcomes, the things that you're striving for. That's the kite that's all up there in the in the sky. And the wind is the opposite opposition of all things. It's the things that are taking it in, in all sorts of directions, right? Like you have no control over the wind and what, what comes at you. You're never what's going to stop potentially stop your kite. And the string are the rules and the laws and the things that you must obey, right? Like the the law of gravity has 12 laws that he identified. I won't go through them all, but just the different laws and the things and, and Part of those laws is your purpose, the things that you serve in your life. You obey your purpose to continue down the path. And that's the string. And the kid letting go in the string is him succumbing to negative influences or temptations of society. So when you let go of that string, that means you went off your path and you did something that didn't align with your goals and your dreams to control that kite. And so he says, no matter how many times you let go of the string, you always have the opportunity to go grab it again. And so the kite story, the way he pulled that all together with obedience. And I kind of talk about it as serving your purpose. Like you define what it is that you are trying to do and that's what you serve. Not anyone or any, uh, you know, there's obviously laws and people that you're, you know, working with, but it, your purpose, overall purpose is what you, you go for. And then your free will and handling the opposition of all things. And then, you know, your conscious uh, ability to, uh, to manage all that. So the, the kite story was a, a neat way to, again, being a storyteller, right? Using an analogy to give real, real life perspectives. Um, I thought it was a great way for him to end his talk yesterday. And you know what I didn't put together till afterward? Ben what? Franklin and the kite experiment. <laughs> I, I didn't just now you say that I didn't put it together at all. <laughs> like the the electricity i i yeah. i'm gonna ask him if that was intentional or not you think if he would have brought it up uh with our our ben franklin mannequin in the quarter but uh to be determined on that well now we got to come up with the, what the key stands for <laughs> maybe the key <laughs> the key in the lightning <laughs> 
the metaphor continues. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the Successful Podcast. A little teaser for uh, one of our upcoming guests, Dan Clark. Thanks for tuning in. Check out his book, The Art of Significance, if you want to prep a little more for that episode. And we'll be back at you next week. <laughs>